1: and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Early Edge College Football Preview Show Week 4 edition. I'm your host, Alan Bell. We've got a fantastic show lined up for you today. And I'll tell you what, before we bring the experts in and break down everything that you need to know best bets for, Week four college football. Let's take a look at how we did last week in week three. And my goodness, the boys crushed it. 12 and three. Nailed it. Our record after week three. You guys are sitting 30 and 15. 67% against the spread. My goodness, gentlemen. You guys are doing fantastic. And I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's bring in the stars of the show. And look at the boys. Chip Patterson, how we doing, sir?
2: I mean, if we had had it at 55 instead of 54 or even the close of 55 and a half. So depending on where you got it, maybe it was push city. Maybe you did cash that under Like uh, We we were shaping up and pacing well for the gentleman's under in Georgia, South Carolina. But hey, if, if the regression monster pulls me down to just 65 percent on this show for the season, then uh, then then I'm still good. So feel, feeling good.
1: There we go. As you should. And you know what? Like it's funny, you know. What Chip is talking about is the Georgia South Carolina game, and on this show on Wednesday, we had the under of fifty four. Later on the week, Chip played it again, under fifty five. Scoring's up right at fifty five. And South Carolina, what did they score that last touchdown with? Like fifty
2: seconds left in the game. Yeah, I think a minute thirteen, but it was it was frustrating. With to say, oh, it was.
1: I'm telling you, on Saturday, I was at my house and I was watching it. I was like, Beaver, don't do it. Beaver, don't do it. You know, and he did it, and I was like, ah. So it hurt the fifty-four, but you got
0: the push on the fifty-five. So, so much for the the gentlemen's under there. I mean, oh yeah. And so I also, (laughs) people
2: started coming out of the woodworks. I, you know, I started talking loud, started using a megaphone for my jokes. Someone, I've 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 heard contrary reports to how warm and chummy the relations are between uh, Kirby and Shane. And after the way that game went down, I think some Christmas card lists were edited on both sides. Yeah, they were throwing late
0: in that game. Georgia was still throwing late with Carson Beck in there. Yeah, yeah. I thought about that relationship there.
1: Dude, I didn't expect that at all. And obviously, Jacob Fetner, welcome in. Now, let me say this real quick. Last week was your first week on the show. And let Carson, me just okay. go ahead. Yeah. 4-0, uh, oh, son. Well done. Well Thank done. You. So Thank glad. You, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Man, you crushed it. So congratulations on that. Welcome back in. How we doing, sir?
0: We're good. Hopefully expectations aren't too high now after the 4-0 star, but I'm feeling good.
1: Well, I mean, you know, you only have to go undefeated every I'm- week for the rest of the show. Other than that, I mean, you know, have fun with it, right? No, man. You did a good job and uh, look forward. Like, so glad that you're uh, a new addition and a part of this show uh, because you definitely bring a lot, not only from just your knowledge of college football in regards to the games and sports betting, but the sports line advanced model as well. Such a nice addition to what we have. All right, let's get into storylines that affect the betting lines for this week. And Chip, I'm coming over to you first. All right, hot seat plays. All right, are we circling the wagons or is this a funeral march? What do we got, buddy?
2: Yeah, you got to make your decision with all these coaches that are on the hot seat of whether you think that this is going to be the end or whether you think there might be some life and maybe the market is overreacting to those hot seat rumors. couple spots I want to turn your attention to. We might hit on a few of them later on. Number one, Jeff Collins and Georgia Tech. We here on the early edge loved seeing how inept the offense looked against Ole Miss. Well, here comes UCF a UCF team that I think is very very upset by the way the game the Louisville by the way the Louisville game ended. I think that they play a lot better football. 20 and a half is a big number, but if you think this Georgia Tech team is checked out on Jeff Collins, you've got it under a key number and you've got an opportunity. Auburn at Missouri. I mean After that embarrassing loss to Penn state where Auburn's offense was not even competitive. Now we lose TJ Finley. And then here comes the alpha nerd, Eli Drinkwitz. And speaking of gentlemen's (laughs) under and when the relationship isn't so friendly, I don't know if I can speak on it personally, but Drinkwitz V Harson. I'm just going to say they look like they're cut from different cloth. So can the alpha nerd uh, end the Brian Harson era at Auburn? So looking at Louisville as well, as Scott Satterfield finds himself only as a 14 and a half point favorite against USF. The Bulls obviously were frisky against Florida just last week. If you think that this might be the end for Scott Satterfield, maybe a little uh, Bulls plus 14 and a hook might be where you want to go. Or. Maybe you think the cards circle the wagons. Malik Cunningham leads them to a cover. So looking at Louisville, looking at Auburn, and of looking at Georgia Tech, you've got to make a decision whether you think this is circle the wagons time, whether this is the end for a coach on the hot seat. Got like as if betting on college football wasn't difficult enough. Right.
1: (laughs) Like now you add in these wrinkles, man. Uh, that, that, that's a great point. I'm glad that you brought that up because it's definitely, definitely something to keep in mind when betting on these teams. Now, speaking of betting on these teams, all right, Fender. So anybody that is new to the show, you legitimately are the Sportsline advanced model. What everyone sees on the website of sportsline.com. All of our members, like you manage run these numbers. as data is you in regards to college football. How did week three look? Like, what did you see? What trends? Was there anything that we need to know about? And especially, you know, heading
0: into week four. So we continue to nail the over unders. We were nine and three on over unders this season. After a three and zero week, we were just one and two ATS. We nailed Georgia Tech getting killed by Ole Miss, uh, but we lost the Florida to USF. I took a flyer on North Texas against UNLV. Didn't think UNLV should be a favorite. I was wrong there. UNLV just destroyed them. But the over-unders and the team totals, that's what we're nailing so far this season. And I know a lot of states don't have them, but for states that do, we have been doing really well on player props. We are 33-19 and 19 on player props this season, plus 10.1 units. And then also, I don't cover the NFL player props, but you should check out Stephen O, my boss. He's 16-5 and five on player props in the NFL this season.
1: Yeah, Stephen O is fantastic, man. And, you know, when you speak of player props, for anybody that's brand new that's never – dove into player props whatsoever. You're speaking of, you know, quarterback, yards thrown, interceptions, wide receivers, you know, yard, like things like that. Like what what all are you looking at when you talk? uh,
0: Yeah. So mostly each game you'll have around the quarterbacks over under passing total, then their uh, player props for their touchdown totals. And then there'll only be like two or three for running backs and wide receivers. So we've been doing a lot of quarterback player props and like one or two wide receiver Running backs. We nailed Marvin Harrison last week. Marvin Harrison Jr. We had him with 110 yards and two touchdowns, and that's right where his stat line was.
2: Yeah, nice. you be careful saying things like we nailed Marvin Harrison. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I know.
0: I better watch, I that. watch out that,
2: dude. I tell you what, I'm not approaching him at a
1: car wash. I can tell you, I can assure yeah. you on that one. My man is bona fide. All right, let's get into our best bets for the week and how this show operates. We're gonna go through all of the best bets that both Chip and Jake have here. And then we're going to get into our big six games of the week. And Michael Roberts, Tom Fornelli, not with us this week, but we do have picks for those guys as well. And one quick shout out real quick before we get into it. Our man, your tag team partnership in Tom Fornelli, has been making people boatloads of money on Kansas. Like (laughs) you guys have nailed these like narratives during the week. And riding Kansas has been phenomenal. So I'm going to give you the floor here just a second to praise on your boy. And also, you guys have been crushing on that aspect.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the Kansas uh, boat is so full that I'm worried we might start taking on water. Now, Duke might not be where it happens. Uh, the Blue Devils coming in with a lot of confidence through, you know, themselves. But at some point, we might need to, uh, you know, we might need to grab one of the early lifeboats as well. So we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, you this is about Lance Leipold. We, this is why we made money on him at Buffalo. This is why we made money on him for year one at Kansas, especially later in the season when the spreads were large and the team was getting better. Uh, the team that lost to Duke last year is so different than the one that's playing right now. They've just come so far since the beginning of 2021. The number will catch up eventually, but uh, we still might have some opportunities here.
1: Yeah. That's a great point. Like the number will catch up, right? Like there will be a point to where you go the other way when that happens. Who knows? Like we're going to have yeah. to keep watching each week. Like, but it will happen, but
0: yeah. Our it, model, like, the model yeah. talking about the model, it's having yeah. a hard time adjusting to Kansas. I keep adjusting them every week, every week that I keep yeah. adjusting them. We have, so we're having a lot of value on their over under and their, um, on their overplays and their, they went five and one on over unders last year. Um, but I mean, we have value on Duke here. I don't like that. I keep adjusting Kansas and the yeah, models love them.
2: Yeah, that's the thing is I, th- I think they've just been so bad for so long that just like the model, is it is going to take a little bit until it's able to catch up.
1: The model in the computer, like in the server room, is like smoking right now. Like it has no idea. And you got like bot Tom Fernelli in there, like messing with it. Like I love him. <laughs> He's like holding the plug and like yeah, underneath the is, camera like an airplane. I wish we yeah, okay. I wish we had that graphic. All right, real quick. I promise we're getting our best bets. Dave Campbell in the chat has a question, Fender, for you. Uh what well, Jake says over-unders are hitting those. Uh let's see, those A's the entire slate. Like those are the we're speaking of the A grade plays, correct? Right? Let's we'll speak of the A's there. Yeah, we're nine and three on
0: A's on, on in terms of over-unders.
1: Perfect. There we go. Yep. A grade plays. So anything that when we speak of for everybody, when we speak of the model. A great place. That's what we're referring to. All right, let's get at our best bets for today, uh, for this week. Chip, coming over to you first, all right? We got Maryland at Michigan, okay? You got to play here. Man, Michigan's been good. Maryland can put up points. You like the over here, all right? Over of 65 and a half. Break it down, man.
2: Yeah, I, I jump on this right now and I've got a, a I've got some friends that make fun of me for being like an anti CLV guy. You know, like I'm just I'm so committed to a play. It's a, give me the don't give me the best number on the board. Give me the worst number on the board. That's how confident I am in this take right now. Uh, open to sixty two and a half. Uh, now at 65 and a half we've crossed over you know 63 we've crossed over 65 I would snap it up right now couple layers to this number one Michigan home overs it's smashed throughout the Jim Harbaugh era the the offense cooks defense gives up an early touchdown or two Uh, Michigan home overs has been statistically a very very smart play number two as you mentioned Maryland has elite wide receivers you know one of the best wide receiver rooms in the entire country and I think that they will be able to get us the 14 to 20 points needed and then on the other side of this i mean maryland's defense is already um they'll be getting a little bit healthier on the back end of the defense right now but i still think it is a group that michigan's absolutely going to tear up i i see us being able to hit 70 so i will confidently say go ahead and uh smash this over even though we've already lost about three points of value off the open there we go there we go
1: all right Fetner, coming over to you okay so your first play, your first official here, you've got, we've, we've got Iowa hosting Rutgers, okay? You've got the Rutgers' first half team total under six and a half points. This is a Tom Fornelli play for sure. All right, break it down, man. What do you
0: say? Yeah, this is definitely a Tom Fornelli play. So against Temple and Boston College, Rutgers has combined for just two first half touchdowns, and only one of them was offensive. They scored on a pick six off Kurt Warner's son last week. In uh, three games so far this season, Iowa has allowed six points total in the first half. Rutgers quarterback Noah Veedrell is still questionable with his injury. Their backups, Evan Simon and Gavin Wimsett, have done nothing so far. That leads me to believe they could score a touchdown against this Iowa defense. As bad as Iowa's offense has been, their defense is on another level. I don't think Rutgers scores a touchdown, and I don't think they're getting three field goals in the first half.
1: Buddy, let me say this. As someone who bet Rutgers last week because you know – My operation of fade Temple every single week, my God, that was the only touchdown they scored was the pick six. Like, so if they're not scoring against Temple, which apologies to anyone in the greater Philadelphia area, Temple alums, fans, Temple's a bad football team, bad football team. So, yeah, I like this play a lot. All right, Chip, throwing it back to you, man. All right, so we've got TCU at SMU. TCU, a two-point favorite. You like TCU here.
2: Yeah, I mean, super fun game. Not only the rivalry for the Iron Skillet, but Sonny Dykes, the TCU head coach, was just the head coach at SMU. And the new SMU coach, Rhett Lashley, was also Sonny Dykes' offensive coordinator. The familiarity here is through the roof. It should make for what's a very competitive game. But to me, there is a huge difference in the skill level at quarterback, at wide receiver, uh, for TCU going up against SMU. So I think it's going to be a shootout. I just think that there's nobody on the field who is better at wide receiver than Quentin Johnston. If you don't know the horn Frogs' big play threat, you're going to know him because he's going to rip your heart out when you're betting on Oklahoma and Texas later in the season. Uh, this is a spot where I feel like TCU wins the game, so I get it at a short number. I feel comfortable laying it.
1: There we go. All right. Uh, Fed, we coming back over to you. All right. You've got – okay, we got Tulsa at Ole Miss. All right, first off, Ole Miss is playing the weirdest schedule I've ever seen. Like, they were just at Georgia Tech last week. Like, everyone else at the SEC is, like, digging in already on conference games this week. They're just playing whoever. Uh, But we got Tulsa at Ole Miss. You're rolling with Tulsa team total under 21 and a half. Break it out.
0: Yeah, so I was all over Georgia Tech's team total under last week against Ole Miss, and they shut them out. Yeah, it's nice job seven. on that. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's now seven straight FBS games that Ole Miss has allowed 21 or less points. Tulsa has looked pretty good on offense so far. Davis Brin is putting up uh, video game numbers so far, but he's played Jacksonville State, Wyoming, and Northern Illinois. None of those te- teams have good defenses at all. And, I, I mean, I really like this Ole Miss defense. On offense, Ole Miss hasn't really been impressive. They are running the ball really well, but Jackson Dart hasn't looked great. I think they're gonna they're going to run some clock out. They're fifth in the country in rushing, but then if you take out the service academies, they're third in rushing. So that that likes, I, I mean, I think they're going to bleed some clock with with running the ball. I like the under team total there.
1: So, all right, give me that stat again. You said Ole Miss seven game. What was it again?
0: So it's seven straight FBS games that Ole Miss has allowed 21 or less points. That's a good nugget right there. Yeah. Like and so I'm going right. to keep riding it until it doesn't hit.
1: Oh, yeah, dude, as someone who subscribes and anybody that that watches the early edge, uh, you know, consistently, I rode the Arizona Diamondbacks team totals over two and a half. I swear for three weeks in a row because they just kept doing it right. And nobody was paying attention to it. It's like, uh, I'm going to keep doing it until they tell me not to. And then they eventually did very heavily and we got off. But I'm with you on that, man. Yeah, there was Uh, a period when the
0: Diamondbacks were facing a right handed pitcher team total over two and a half every single time just hammer it yeah
1: Yeah, hammer man all right chip coming back at you man all right a good fun game that really nobody's paying attention to speaking of that we've got notre dame at north carolina north carolina a one and a half point favorite and you're rolling with the tar heels here
2: yeah i listen i don't i think the north carolina needs 28 to win um, I don't know if you can trust Notre Dame's offense right now to be all that explosive. I think it's going to be a pretty like close and competitive game, but when you need somebody to go and make plays, do you trust future NFL draft pick Drake May and all the athleticism that North Carolina has right now at wide receiver and especially at tight end, a running back room with guys like George Petway and Marion Hampton, blue-chip dudes that have already hit the ground running and showing their explosiveness – Or do you trust a Notre Dame offense that has just been plotting like it is going to be difficult for North Carolina to have its usual amount of offensive success with Isaiah Poskey along the defensive line. You got Brandon Joseph on the back end of that defense. There are going to be times where the Tar Heels spin their wheels a little bit and it can get a little dicey. Listen, this is not going to be an easy cash, but what I feel the most confident in is that in this game, Notre Dame's coming to town. North Carolina smells blood in the water. This has always been one of the biggest games on the Tar Heels schedule, and now you've got an opportunity against a fighting Irish team that is offensively limited. It is bad on bad with Notre Dame's offense against North Carolina's defense and good on good in North Carolina's offense against Notre Dame's defense, but ultimately when you've got that pro-level talent at quarterback like Drake May, I'm going to trust you to be able to go win that close game.
1: Yep, and especially with Notre Dame on the road. I mean, they're, they're reeling, right? Like, after all, of, like, the excitement and everything this offseason and week one, the beginning against Ohio State, it has gone downhill quickly, right? Uh, so, yeah, I like it on that one. All right, uh, Fettner, coming to you, your last official play right here. Uh, we've got USC at Oregon State. USC is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. You are rolling. Lincoln Riley is here. You like USC minus six-and-a-half. What do you say?
0: Yeah, so for this one, I wanted to give out one computer model pick. This is an A pick, according to our model, for all you Sportsline subscribers. We have uh, USC winning by 18 this game. I'm a little concerned betting against – By 18. Wow. We have them putting up 47 points compared to Vegas having them at 39 points. So, nice. and then uh, I'm a little concerned betting against Oregon State at home. They've been really good at home. They're 5-1 ATS and straight up l- last season. But this, they haven't faced many teams as talented as USC. USC is Oklahoma West. They have the whole Oklahoma team from last year. They're putting up ridiculous numbers until USC starts to slow down. I'm going to keep riding them. Yeah,
1: I feel you. You know, and Corvallis can be a weird place to play, but dude, like 18, like you're finding 12 points of value essentially right there. Like, nice, fine, nice play on that. All right, Chip, coming back to you. Uh, we've got Georgia Tech. At UCF, you got UCF minus 20 and a half. Break that one down, man.
2: Uh, Who trusts Jeff Collins and Georgia Tech right now? Who would saddle up, especially when you're under the key number of 21 and think, you know what, this Georgia Tech team that put up a goose egg against Ole Miss, I think that they're going to find new motivation in Orlando. No, I'm telling you, this UCF (laughs) team and its coaching staff they know how close they were to being undefeated at this point in the year. They know that they were not happy with the play calling. They were not happy with the execution. The way that UCF handed over that game to Louisville, I think that it was a wake-up call to the Knights. They have adjusted their offense. They cooked FAU last week. John Rice Plumley is rolling in that Gus Malzahn offense, and I think that Georgia Tech is just going to be incredibly inept and that the performance here – might be the end for Jeff Collins. We we're already starting to hear chatters like it might go down last Sunday, and if that's the case, it is really tough for a coaching staff and for a locker room uh, to really find that fire when you're out on the road. So I expect UCF to win this game, and in needing to continue to generate some positivity, Gus Malzahn's not going to be afraid to run it up.
1: No, and especially you know after you know recent performances where. You know, kind of we thought UCF would play better than they have. Like this is a great spot for them to get right against a team. Like that that's a perfect like situation formula right there. Also, anyone that is watching that works for the Orlando Tourism Board, all right. I found new motivation in Orlando that needs to be on every t-shirt, hat, truck stop, you name it, like billboard material. Again. Dude, Chip Patterson comes through every week with T-shirt material right there. So, well done. And, Chip, we're going to stay with you. Last official play of these slates. And we've got our big six games coming in a minute with more official plays. But we've got Kansas State at Oklahoma. All right? Oklahoma's a 13-point favorite. You like Kansas State plus 13. Break that one down.
2: Because look, college football's dumb. Hey, throw that on a t-shirt. Why? Because college (laughs) football is dumb. Because of course, Kansas State, the team that lost to Tulane, that looked like it was just lifeless in that loss to the Green Wave. Of course, the week after that, you would bounce right back and be able to go give Oklahoma an upset scare. This Oklahoma-Kansas State game, especially the ones that are played here, always present uh, a little bit of an opportunity for an upset. So I'm I'm dialed in on Kansas State being able to play some ball control, which is going to keep Dylan Gabriel and that Oklahoma offense out of rhythm. That is always the way that Kansas State likes to play this game. Lean on the ground game. Adrian Martinez, Deuce Vaughn, Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator, knows how to put together this game plan. And so I, I see Kansas State being able to create a very, very tense situation in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, this game is probably more of like a 7-10 to 10 point game. Thirteen's too many daggum points.
1: That's too many daggum points. I'll tell you what, I do kind of want to see like a little chaos, you know, for Venables in Oklahoma. Like, i, I not saying I'm pulling against any of it. Like, I just want to see what that looks like, right? Because they're they seemingly a pretty good football team, but, you know, you're spot on in regards to Kansas State. And might be the first time where, like they kind of all dealt with that together, right? Like, how do you operate through it? Um, I mean, think guys? about
2: this like, Kansas State thumped Missouri 40 to 12, then they turned right around and lost at home to Tulane. Doesn't it just seem like they would just be a chaos team and bounce back and all of a sudden make things really tense in that yeah. eight o'clock PM Eastern time Fox game? I mean, you're not turning on that game and seeing first year coach Brent Venables not sweat a little, right? Yeah. And we're going to see Brent sweat just a little bit on Saturday night. I'm down with that.
1: I do. I want to see it, man, for sure. All right. Let's get into the big six games that we have for this week. But before we do, let's take a quick break and hear from one of our partners. And we are back. All right. So our first game, and Chip, I'm going to let you go first because you have an official play on this one. All right. We've got fifth-ranked Clemson All right, at 21st-ranked Wake Forest. Clemson, a seven-point favorite. We've got a total of 55 and
2: a half chip officially.
1: You are on Clemson minus seven. Break it down.
2: Yeah. This is a very, very lopsided series. You know, we're talking about the last two teams to win the ACC Atlantic division. We're talking Dave Clawson having wake forest, you know, playing at a level that we have not seen. The consistency is amazing, but it has been 13 straight wins for Clemson in this series since 2009. Nothing but tigers And it just comes down to the line of scrimmage. You know, Wake is able to put together an intricate offense with lots of different run-pass option concepts that allow them uh, to really create problems and be able to overcome a disadvantage that they have physically at the line of scrimmage. But last year in this game, uh, in the first maybe like half or so, first 15 plays that Wake Forest had against Clemson, there were already four tackles for loss, and I think 11 of those 15 plays went for negative yards. The fact is... Clemson's defensive line where it has been elite throughout this playoff run is just so fast and so physical that they stick their paws right there in the mesh point. And if you know what I'm talking about, like in Watch Wake Forest, they spend forever with the quarterback, keeps the ball in the running back's gut, tries to free the linebacker, be able to hit a pass down the field. Well, I'm telling you, man, all that delay does not work. The clock speeds up. The game is over right after the snap because of Clemson's advantage in the defensive line. So I'm I'm catching this at a touchdown. I know that Clemson's offense still has a ways to go, but look, this – this game goes Clemson's way every single year.
1: Yeah, and that defense is for real. Like, for real, for real. They are not messing around at all. Now, your tag team partner, Tom Frenelli, he leans to the under 55 and a half. I know, shocker. I know everybody's shock- surprised there. Shocker. So.
2: With, with being unsure of which side to take, Tom Frenelli <laughs> has landed on the under. I love it. Now, Fettner, going over to you. Uh, not an official play,
1: but a lean towards the over. 55 and a half. What do you see, man?
0: Yeah, so this is another model pick. We have 13 points of value on the over here. We have the over totaling 68 points. We have Wake putting up 29 compared to Vegas having them at 24. We have Clemson putting up 39 compared to 31, uh, according to Vegas. I think the big thing here is Wake Forest completely abandoning the run. Last week, they only had 23 rushing yards against Liberty. They completely gave up on the run. Clemson, has allowed 100 yards or less on the ground in six straight games. I think Sam Hartman and this Wake Forest offense are going to throw the ball pretty much every single down. I think that bodes well for the over here.
1: There we go. There we go. All right, Feder, we're going to stay with you. Our next game here. We got 17th-ranked Baylor All right, at Iowa State. Iowa State is a three-point favorite. Now, we don't have anybody with an official play on this game, but your lean, model lean, Iowa State minus three.
0: Yeah, there's not much value here. We have Iowa State winning by two. I I, I was going back and forth with this game. I just decided to go with the models pick here. I'm Leaning Iowa State, Hunter Deckers has looked pretty good. He led a comeback win against Iowa. He, he, I mean, he looks pretty good. I think Gyro Brock could have some success in this game. And Baylor's dealing with a lot of injuries, especially in, at running back. Yep,
1: there we go. All right, now, Tom Fernelli. Uh, he leans uh, same as you. Iowa State minus three. Chip not an official either, but you lean under forty six. What do you see, man?
2: Well, I mean, I think Iowa State's just a good under team right right now. Their yes. defense is playing at a really high level. They're kind of plotting. They it's just kind of a, a group that is operating with a function where you're not necessarily trying to push the ball down the field. You got one really good option in Hutchinson. And I know his health has been a little bit questionable. And so you, you take that with a Baylor team that as Fetner mentioned is a little bit limited, uh, at least in terms of their health at the running back position. So Baylor and Iowa state, man, this thing just smells like it's going to be played uh, right there in the, you know, teens and twenties and, and we got ourselves some 13 mile an hour winds on site. So if we can get that wonder, that's uh, that's only going to make me think that uh, this thing's shaping up to have some missed field goals. You know, passes are a little bit wobbly. Uh, that should be good for the under.
1: There we go. And, you, d- dude, you're exactly right. Like, I, I swear, you and Mike McClure, um, in regards to weather, uh, not only for college football, Major League Baseball as well, uh, yeah, like, it can severely affect. And w- what was it last year? Was it Wyoming? What was the weather, like, the wind that, we, that you spoke about last year?
2: I can't remember. Like I, It's going to be windy in Laramie. It's very, very important that we don't do the night games because the sun powers the wind, and the wind in Laramie does whip out there at Memorial Stadium. <laughs> War Memorial Stadium.
0: It's War like, Memorial Stadium. I think they they say it's for every 10 miles per hour of wind, it's two and a half points from the total. We have the total coming at 45 according to our model. I'll adjust it based if if there is wind, and so we do have a slight lean on the under there.
1: Look at that! The model agreeing with Chip, I love it, man. All right, we're gonna pause real quick because we've had some questions in the chat. Now I'm just gonna throw it against the wall here. Feel free to take it wherever you want, or if you don't like anything, don't say it. Like. Feel free to say nothing, right? So Thursday and Friday games that we have this week. Let me just read them off. And if there's anything that you see that you like, just say it. it doesn't have to be an official, but it's none of that. Like, just anything that sticks out to you, all right? So Thursday, we've got West Virginia, Virginia Tech. West Virginia is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Coastal Carolina, Georgia State. Coastal Carolina is a two-point favorite. All right, we got Chattanooga, Illinois. No line on that one. Friday, Virginia, Syracuse. Syracuse, a nine-point favorite. Nevada Air Force, Air Force, a 24 point favorite coming off of not a great performance last week. And then Boise State, UTEP, Boise State, a 15 and a half point favorite on the road. So I say all of those just to say, is there anything that sticks out to you guys? If not, feel free to say no, because I just threw it at you with no regard or warning. Chip, what do you got?
2: Well, it's okay because on the cover three podcast, we did a special early bird special episode where we gave out picks for all six of these games. So AB you want opinions? I got opinions. Uh, number one, how about Virginia tech 23 and 10 on ESPN's Thursday night football, including 13 and five at home. This is just what they do. West Virginia has already uh, lost to Kansas. West Virginia has already uh, lost in ways that are just mind-numbing, like to Pitt, giving it up on that pick six. This thing gets close in Lane Stadium on the road. I think the Hokies, which are not very explosive offensively, but do have a pretty salty defense. I could see them coming away with the win. I like Virginia Tech to win there. It's like just go ahead and give them to me on the money line. No play Coastal Georgia State. Syracuse should not be trusted to cover that many points. Liked it better at 10, you know, 9. You gotta You got to really own it right there, but... I mean, they were running the pass interference offense right there. And the PI offense does not give me a lot of confidence in your ability to execute. They're, they're great win for Dino's crew. Uh, but I, I think Virginia might be the lean there. And should we really trust Syracuse by this many points? Air Force Layham. I kind of feel like they might have had some. I feel I feel like they weren't the best versions of themselves at Wyoming. Mm-hmm. You know, we had yeah, some Me too. You know, if you, you scan the personnel list, you scan like who played, who didn't, and sort of where they were at. I think they'll be back with a force uh against Nevada. So lay them and lay them with Boise. So uh Boise beat New Mexico by 17. New Mexico beat UTEP by New Mexico uh beat UTEP by 17, uh Boise by 34 with the dumb boys logic. There we go. Fedner, any uh any thoughts that you have on any of these?
0: So I'll give out a player prop in the West Virginia game. I played Tony Mathis under half a touchdown scored. I think C.J. Donaldson's going to get all the goal line carries, the big boy at 6'2", 240. And Virginia Tech's been really good against the run. I don't think the models have taken into account, like the Vegas' models have taken into account C.J. Donaldson's impact. In terms of Virginia-Syracuse, we have a slight lean on Virginia to cover the 10.5. I'm really interested in seeing Robert and I versus his old team there. Yeah. And then I like – I mean, Boise State – their team total at 30 and a half. They put up 54 against UTEP last year. Boise's offense has looked really bad, but 31 is very doable against this UTEP defense. And I think Boise's defense could put up some points in that game.
1: There we go. There we go. I appreciate it, boys. Thank you so much. All right. Our next big game we've got here. All right. rate Texas. Six and a half-point favorites at Texas Tech. All right. A total of 60. Fender, I'll throw it to you first. You like you lean Texas team total over 33 and a half. What do you see?
0: Yeah, so our model has Texas putting up 42 points this game. Oh. I mean, Texas <laughs> did whatever they they wanted against Texas Tech last year. We're still adjusting to Texas Tech's improved defense, but they allowed 27 points to a not-so-great NC State offense that struggled throughout the first couple of weeks. I think I, I like their team total here.
1: All right, there we go. In the chat, John Newquist says, Texas Tech is horrible. And let me say, I think Tom Fernelli agrees with you. He's like the over – he leans to the over 60 in this game. Tommy Boyd does not play a ton of overs. So, yeah, there you go on that one. All right, Chip, you lean Texas minus 6.5 here.
2: Yeah, no reason for me to feel confident in Texas Tech, especially when you've got it under a touchdown. I was impressed that Texas had a really strong response. You know, you were, we were going into that UTS game, UTSA game pointing and laughing at them, right? I mean, we were just like, oh, man – are you going to lose in this spot? And look, they just got right back down to their bread and butter uh, so far on the season. Bijan is carrying 6.1 yards per carry, five touchdowns on the season. Roshan Johnson, change of pace. He's averaging 6.2 yards per carry. I think that Texas is the better team without a doubt. And so under a touchdown, I, I do like that value. Yeah, it's a good point of under a touchdown as well, right? Like seven and a half Not that
1: it would change your thought process on the teams, but seven and a half, even seven, completely different number than six and a half.
0: It opened at four and a half, so it's already moving. So I'd get it now.
1: Yeah, great point on that. Mm -hmm. All right, our next one. We've got Wisconsin at third-ranked Ohio State. Ohio State an 18-and-a-half point favorite. A blackout up there with the Buckeyes. Total of 57. All right, no official plays. Chip, I'm going to start with you. You lean Ohio State minus 18 and a half.
2: Do you see how mean Ryan Day has been recently? I mean, he was going into that game with like some kind of point to prove. And I I mean, we get it, Ohio State, like you're really good. You didn't need to put 77 on an in-state foe like that. I mean, come on. Aren't y'all supposed to eat off the same plate I just I, I think that Ryan Day and the Buckeyes offense might go into kill mode right here. Um, with Rutgers on the other side of this, as like that's not going to be the kind of test that you're gonna have in terms of really making your offense elevate its level. Wisconsin is that kind of team. I think you're gonna get four quarters of aggressiveness. And the, I just this is going to be a spot where uh Ryan Day understands that later in the year. You know when you were at Penn State, when you've got to play that Iowa defense, when you've got Michigan at the end of the season, there's only but so many games where Ohio State's offense is really going to be tested, and I think this is one of them. And I think that instead of thinking that they buckle up, I think they just flex and get even stronger. There we go. Ohio State likes to flex; like they have no problem doing that, especially at the
1: wide receiver position. Now, your tag team partner Tom Fernelli he leans Ohio State with the points as well. Uh, Feder, you. You're not Actually, you're kind of agreeing in a a way here. Wisconsin team total under 19 and a half.
0: So this is a game where I like Ohio State minus 18 and a half. Our model doesn't. We like Wisconsin to cover. We have them losing by 12. But I just don't trust Graham Mertz against this Ohio State defense. They're much better. I think they're going to load up the box and say, throw the ball. Uh, They're going to try to shut down Braylon Allen. He'll still get some yards because he'll get 30 carries this game. But I don't trust Graham Mertz to put up points this game. He only put up 14 against Washington State. I, I just don't trust him enough.
1: There you go. You know what? Trust is important, man. We don't hey, need to have... Drake. here. <clears throat> yeah,
0: there I
2: was
1: going to say, we don't need to have Drake trust issues out here, right? Like, trust in your bets. All right. Two final games here. All right. 10th ranked... Yeah, 10th, 10th ranked Arkansas. <laughs> I couldn't read my own writing here. Arkansas at Texas a A&M. and and ms ranked 23rd. A&M a a 2 point favorite here. All right. A total of 48 and a half. Chip, you have an official play.
2: Mm-hmm. on this game so, yeah so you let it rip arkansas plus two man oh woo pig suey this is a great spot for arkansas because arkansas does have a flaw right now arkansas has a weakness it is in the pass defense it's on the back end where they've already you know lost one key defensive back for the entire season with an injury they've been a little bit banged up and look We saw Spencer Rattler try to kick down the back door, you know, with late touchdowns in that South Carolina game. We saw Bobby Petrino in Missouri sort of dice that thing up, but you know, who doesn't have a competent passing attack, Texas A&M. So good luck Aggies. The one thing that you might be able to do to really start to create real problems for Arkansas You're not even all that good at it. Meanwhile, Arkansas's offense is absolutely humming right now. I do think that we are going to continue to see Drew Sanders be a monster and Arkansas's defensive front will be ready for the challenge of starting trying to stop this Texas A&M rushing attack. And ultimately, the athleticism that Arkansas has with K.J. Jefferson, with Raheem Sanders, with Jaden Hazelwood out there at wide receiver, they're just going to lean on him. Like, for example, last season in this game, uh, this was a spot where Arkansas went up 17-3 to early and just sat on them like a bully. I, I think Arkansas is ready. They won this game in Arlington last year. It is not a Texas A&M advantage. Uh, yeah, I think that Arkansas wins the game. I'll take the two points just because, you know, sure. Uh, but, you know, if you want to sprinkle the money line, I don't hate that either because I think the Razorbacks are victorious.
1: Well, you know what? I'll say this. Uh, I think you got a lot of agreement here. Uh, Tom Fernelli, he leans Arkansas plus two as well. Uh, Fedner, you lean Arkansas money line. Break it down, man.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with what Chip said here. We have Arkansas weighing this game by one in a really close game. I just don't trust Max Johnson to take advantage of this weekend to Arkansas uh, secondary. Arkansas, I mean, I trust their offense more here. That's what it comes down to. I think they could put up points. I think if they get an early lead like they did last year, they could just sit on it.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, the interesting part, like for A&M, like going to Max Johnson, you know, Jimbo Fisher himself said, we're going to him because, you know, the previous guy was trying to do too much. It wasn't like, you know, the guy like was just like playing horribly. So the head coach telling you like, yeah, we want our quarterback just calm down. Like we don't need you to do a whole lot. Yeah, I can roll with that on the other side for sure. All right. Our final game here. Okay. Final one. 20th ranked Florida, 11th ranked Tennessee in Knoxville. Tennessee, a 10-and-a-half-point 10 favorite. We're seeing that line move. It's jumped from 11-and-a-half, 10-and-a-half. I've seen a nine and a half here as of late, but we've got it. Tennessee, 10-and-a-half, 10 total of 62, okay? Fettner, you are a Florida Gator. I'm going to send it over to you. You lean Florida plus 10-and-a-half.
0: So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Florida Gator. I'm a third-generation Gator, and I couldn't live with myself if I picked Tennessee in this game, <laughs> even though we do have some value on Tennessee. We have them winning by 13 in our model, the Gators have won 16 of the last 17 against Tennessee. I've probably been at 10 of those games. I was at the Felipe Franks Hail Mary game. I was at the Antonio Callaway game. We we, we always bring our best for Tennessee. It does scare me. Our defense without Ventro Miller, we were absolutely destroyed by USF on the in the running game. We couldn't stop the run. We have a lot of freshmen at linebackers. Really, really scary. But I mean, I think we'll be we'll be prepared against this Tennessee team.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you this. uh, As someone, you know, as you know, you two as well, like who have watched this game for 20 years, one, don't try to make sense of the game because it'll break your brain because crazy things always happen. And they always, always go in Florida's manner. And I'm not saying that like it's some like referee. I'm just saying the ball just bounces Florida's way. Like Tennessee has done everything that they've could like to mess these games up on their own. You see what I'm saying? Florida has just taken advantage of it over and over and over. But yeah. history doesn't always say that, right? We've got. I one don't of trust here. the Gators.
0: I just can't bet against them.
1: <laughs> I feel you. Now, Tom Fernelli, he leans on the under 62.
2: Chip, you lean. Gators plus 10 and a half as well. Go ahead. It is preposterous. That 16 out of the last 17 and Alan, everything that you have mentioned here, everything that you have said on Twitter, great follow on Twitter. Everyone should be on it. (laughs) Look, things just get weird in this game. The stage is so massive. Like I have been in Neyland stadium for the sec on CBS game of the week. And there's something about the way that place is built up. That does make it so iconic. But when something goes wrong, it reverberates through the whole stadium, you know that grumble, that frustrated yes. roar, not roar, that frustrated rumble that just you can just feel it. it sort of like shakes all the rocks around there. And I think that Tennessee wins because Tennessee is the better team. Tennessee is a much better team. and look the a model should find about 13 to 14 points of difference between these two squads, but I've seen bad and worse Florida teams create ways to go and win this game. So at 10 and a half points, I'll take the Gators and I'll give you the, I'm all about vibes as you all know, but I'll give you one uh, X's and O's matchup specific angle to this. I do think that Florida with its rushing attack can just limit the possessions. Like that was the blueprint to beat Tennessee last year to hold them to just 14 points. And I think that what we've seen right now, um, from what we've seen right now in terms of being able to move the ball on the ground, it isn't even Naquan, right? All that much. Like we are also starting to see the Louisiana transfer Montrell Johnson. We're starting to see Travis's little brother, Trevor ETN flash just a little bit. I think that that's the game plan for the Gators. They just hold the ball. They run it, obviously get Richardson involved in the run game as well. And you keep hooker from getting into a rhythm. Um, that's, that's the way they cover the spread.
1: Yeah. You know what? I I don't disagree with that. Like that game plan whatsoever. If Richardson is having, you know, success early running the football, like just keep the ball out of their hands. Right. And, 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 you know, not only like, not from like, Oh, we're like, we're worried, like Tennessee's going to score, but what you said uh, of just breaking up that offense of of saying, you know what? You're not going to get it any rhythm. Like you're going to get the ball back, but it's going to be, you know, kind of herky jerky. And here's the other thing, Tennessee, like we've all seen, like how quickly like the offense can score. They could also go three and out just as fast, and 31 seconds is all it takes, and you're getting the ball back. So, like, I agree with you. Like, the chess match in this game is going to be fantastic between Josh Heipel uh, and Billy Napier. So, I'm with you on that one. It's going to be a fun one for sure. All right, everybody, grab your paper, grab your pencil, take a look at the recap here. And it is glorious. Tom Fernelli, he is on Michigan minus 16 and a half, Kansas minus seven and a half, Iowa Rutgers under 34 and a half. Jacob Fetner is on Rutgers first half team total under six and a half Tulsa team total under 21 and a half and Southern Cal minus six and a half. Chip Patterson, Maryland, Michigan over 65 and a half TCU minus two Clemson minus seven North Carolina minus one and a half UCF minus 20 and a half Arkansas plus two And Kansas state plus 13. So as we always do to end each show, first off, thank you boys so much every week because i know how busy that you guys are and i truly mean that thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me and everyone in the early edge crew here but we also want to make sure that everyone is aware of all the great work that you guys are doing and have coming this week so chip i'll throw it to you first man what are you and tom you know we guys have going on here
2: well, hold on. Look, can I give you just some of me, too? Because, like, I, obviously, Tom and I will be on the Cover 3 podcast on Thursday, you, you know, yeah. week four locks, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. But but I, I'll also be back here on the early edge at 10 a.m. on Friday. So uh, be sure you check out the Friday show, where I've even been able to, like, review these. Like, I came on Friday show last week. Like, look, guys, I was on with AB, you know, shameless plug for this show. And I was like, I gave out Texas Tech. You're catching me on Friday. I don't like it as much. And so I'm able to give you the latest uh, after I've run all the chip uh to double test and triple test all these picks. So definitely watch uh, the Early Edge Friday, 10 a.m. And then, yeah, Cover 3 podcast Thursday. So you can also get Bud Elliott, Tom Fernelli, and Danny Cannell's picks as well.
1: I love it. And I'll say this, you know, just the, uh, the internal Early Edge texts uh, have been extremely pro Chip Patterson. I can say the coach wants you on as much as possible. So yeah, just you're gonna see a whole lot more of Chip because it hey, look, we know how busy that he is, but anytime that we're gonna be able to get him on, and I love that Friday aspect too of hitting the college plays again. Uh, yeah, you're gonna be seeing our guy a ton. All right, Jacob Fetner, what do you got, buddy? What are you what's the model looking at? What are you looking at for this weekend? Everything that you got going. Bring it down, buddy.
0: Uh, so if you want to check me out, I'm, I'm a film Wednesdays and Fridays. I do a MLB preview with John Bowman. Check that out on Saturdays. I'll be posting uh, player props for that weekend's games. And in terms, I'll give out some more college football picks according to our model. We like a lot of games in the 12 to 16 point range. We like Louisville over South Florida. That's a big game for Scott Satterfield. We like Memphis over North Texas. We saw North Texas get absolutely destroyed by UNLV. We like Michigan against Maryland, South Alabama over La Tech, and Washington over Stanford. Those aren't okay. A plays, but those are games of value. Yeah,
1: nice. I love it. Yeah, please. That's a great addition to it. And I will say, uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, the uh, the Major League Baseball uh, show that you and John Bowman do, uh, phenomenal. Like, I mean, obviously, I've been a part of a lot of them. Um, it's great. You guys, if you haven't tuned in, they go through every single game and break down not only picks, you know, money line, run lines, but props in terms of pitchers, hitters, you name it. And especially as Aaron Judge is going for history, that is very fun to bet on. Pay attention to these guys for yeah. sure.
0: It's always cool to say you bet on Aaron Judge when he hit number 61. I bet on him to hit 60 yesterday. It's always cool. And there's a 61% profit boost. There we go.
1: I love it. Look at my guy, man. He's a human computer. All right. Now, but everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. For Chip Patterson, <clears throat> excuse me, for Jacob Fentner, Tom Franelli, Micah Roberts, we really do appreciate you guys tuning in, and we will see you live. The Early Edge in 5, here in about 10 minutes, but we will see you tomorrow morning, normal time, Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern, for The Early Edge. Until then, best of luck. Let's catch these tickets. We'll see you next week. <laughs>